Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Another round of the 10K toy giveaway between 11 and 12 today. Also day two of our giveaway with Sanitizer Ireland. I've got a wonderful headline for you today because the Sun have done a right job on this one. I think the Sun will take some beating. So today I want you to beat the Sun on its headline. Beat the Sun on its headline. That's coming up in a wee while I'll explain. It's a good enough. It really is a good. 1850-715-996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Your email is opinion at 96mm.ie. Twitter, of course, at OpinionLine96. And the Facebook, the Cork's 96FM Facebook page. Pop us a message and mark it for the attention of the Opinion Line. Lots to do over the next couple of hours, as always, including, please, we say this every year, please, 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 please do not give dogs as Christmas presents, but as if you must, if you must, then do it particularly, do it, do it, do it properly. Do not buy from puppy farms. Do, in fact, do not buy from any kind of a puppy farm and make sure that you know how to spot a puppy farm. There's a whole campaign going on about that. I'm blue in the face from saying this to people over the years. Do not give puppies for Christmas. But anyway, people still continue to do so. 1850-715-996. Also, I might put this to my first guest at some point in our conversation. This this idea coming out of the north this morning. And I wonder what you'd think of it. A buddy of mine actually who works in retail project management said this to me months and months and months ago. He said this would be a great idea if they sent out a gift voucher, a gift card to every house in the country. And in Northern Ireland, they're looking at dropping a £200 sterling voucher to every house in Northern Ireland, every family in Northern Ireland. And then you can exchange them in the local shops. It cost a fortune, but it's a great idea to stimulate the economy once this pandemic is under control. How would you feel about that idea? They came up with some daft, crazy idea here about taking photographs of your receipts and uploading it to the revenue commissioners through your phone and all that kind of palaver. And you might get 120 quid back after spending about six and a half grand and maybe do it in about three. Simple idea. Send out a voucher to every home in the country for a couple of hundred quid and then they can spend it in any local business that they choose. 
it would cost a fortune, but there's actually an economic kickback on it. Let's put that first. Before I talk to Owen O'Sullivan, the Cork Business Association, about reopening after Level 5, there's an idea, Owen, that has come from the north. I might put it to you before we start. Good morning to you. A voucher sent out to every home that would be worth about €200 or £200 sterling as it is in the north, and they could spend it in any local business just to stimulate the economy. I think it's uh, it's a fantastic idea. I think you reiterated to a, a government scheme recently to try and was boost the economy in September that was based on receipts, which was very very difficult. And look, I, I'd say not many people actually utilise that. And I think if you make thing, make anything complicated for people uh, to use, they just won't do it. Uh, if it was a scheme that there was a voucher sent directly to homes, like an all for uh, gift voucher, uh, all for one voucher. Uh, that people and customers could spend directly without any red tape or forms to fill out. I think it's a great idea and it would put money directly back into a, the economy and, and supporting businesses locally. Okay, well, that's a good endorsement from the president of the Corp Business Association for that idea. Now, the reason you're on with me this morning is because the association and your members are calling to be allowed open hotels, restaurants, pubs, so that we can save Christmas. The prospect is that this day next week, or tomorrow week at least, we'll be entering level three, which would mean most retail open, but very strict restrictions still on hotels, restaurants and pubs. Correct. Um, If we open up, we have to open up carefully, don't we? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, And look, when we entered into level five, we were promised that we would get back to... uh, trading for, for every sector, including the hospitality sector. Now, while it was great news to hear that uh, non-essential retail, gyms and hair stands were, were reopening, um, I think it's essential that we get back to uh, normal trade uh, with the hospitality sector because it's all part of the experience. If you're going into Cork City and you're doing your shopping, you, you it's, it's great to stop and have a coffee, have a drink or have a bite to eat. It's all part of that shopping experience. And it's the very glue that, that put, keeps the city together. And I think without the hospitality sector, it's like uh, we're operating somewhat with our hands tied behind our back. And I think it's a lot of pressure. And it's very disappointing for many business owners, including myself, um, to get that news. And, and especially to get that news through leaks. Um, I think we're back to a situation where we're getting very, very poor communication from government. Um, I don't know how many times we need to highlight this. Uh, with cabinet members that this information that is just slowly being released out into uh, the general public is causing mass panic and mass hysteria and we've discussed this on your show before PJ yeah. it's not helpful um, like so many so many people know again today are wondering are we going to get back open um, will we have a trade for Christmas do I need to buy stock uh, do I need to get product in for, for next week it's just it's 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 very uh, difficult and frustrating for business owners um, to not know where they stand uh, and whether if they can reopen or not. Uh, and look, we would we would genuinely like to get to a situation where we can welcome customers indoors in a safe and controlled environment. Uh, because as as you've seen, 
people want to get out. Like, as you've seen over the weekend and the last few weekends, people are, are gathering in town because they want to get out and about. Mm. People want people want to socialise. And I, I actually do feel for uh, people who are locked in their homes. And someone, I, I've seen a comment online re- recently, for, for younger people, uh, they're locked in their bedrooms where many of us have our own homes or where the space of our house, but younger people could be stuck in their bedrooms, which is, it's not healthy for them either. So I can see why people want to get out and about. There was a lot of families around town over the weekend that were looking at the Christmas lights. And and look, I think they're leading into the Christmas period. People are going to want to socialise. It's Mm. it's in our very nature. Uh, We want to meet family and friends. And if we can do that in a controlled environment, and this is what the business community and the hospitality sector is offering, we're we're going to do it in a controlled, safe environment so people can socialise. And look, we're, we're not going to have the same type of Christmas that we use, usually have with the 12 pubs of Christmas and gangs of people yeah. stuffing into pubs. It's not going to happen. And we don't want that to happen. We want to, we want to operate similar to way, the way we operated in the summer, um, which was extremely controlled. If, if we look it's, at August and September, when things were good, when all the pubs yeah. were open, when you could go and have a, a pint, if that's all you wanted, or you can go and have food with a drink, all the pubs were open, the hotels... We're operating as normal. I stayed in a hotel in Dublin as part of my summer holidays. It operated almost entirely as normal. It was it was nice. It was great to be able to get back and live that way. It's risky, Owen. This is the problem. It's so risky. Mm. Well, it, it, as you've seen, PJ, while we were operating, and, and, and we discussed this before, while we were operating in the summer, the numbers were relatively low. Now, as we got back to schools reopening, colleges reopening, it spiked. It was always going to spike. If we, like, the Netflix target is to get 50 to 100 cases before we get back to somewhat normal trace. We were at 252 yesterday. Mm. Are we going to get to, maybe over the next couple of days, could we get to 200? Like, we're not far off where they want to be. And this is, this is the medical profession giving strict advice. So I think there has to be a bit of middle ground here. Mm. I think people are genuinely... Uh, they're suffering and, and, and mental health is something that has come up and I think it needs to be discussed more. People, especially business people who have profitable, uh, well-organized businesses, uh, they've been operating for centuries and they, they literally can't go into work and do what they normally do, what their families have done for years. And like this is very, this is difficult for people. I do, I, I think the after effects we're going to see uh, for staff members who don't know whether they have jobs. I think this needs to be discussed. Like, I, I genuinely think, I genuinely think that the government needs to step up to the plate now and come out with a plan where we, no, like, we had nothing to look forward to over the last couple of weeks. There was no goal. Like, Some kind of certainty. It, Are you looking for absolutely. a date and time and a set of T's and C's to be published absolutely. immediately? Absolutely. Any bit of communication is better than, 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 from listening from... For, all we're getting now is information that, that has come through leaks. And we don't know whether it's genuine or not. So we need to, we need to get clear, uh, concise information from government letting us know when we can open, how, how we can open, uh, what are the guidelines. So give us something to work towards. Mm. This uh, last-minute stuff doesn't work. It causes frustration. And I think genuinely uh, people are very understanding and I think everybody has been very understanding that this is a virus. We're all very aware of it. It's People's health is in danger. 
and we respect that. The, the business community respects that more than anyone. We've had to sacrifice more than anybody in this. And it's, 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 we genuinely just want to get back to a safe place where we can trade for Christmas. Uh, mm. We can get people back to work. And, 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 and serve the general public. In terms of hospitality, is there a fear, Owen, because I know one or two publicans and hoteliers that have spoken to myself privately have said, look, let us open, give us a set of rules, we'll follow them, we did it in the summer, and we'll do it again, because if you don't let us open, you're just going to have house party after house party after house party. And there, there is no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. I think uh, if you don't give people, like, one thing we ask for, uh, at the start of this lockdown was let people, um, let businesses take bookings for Christmas. So at least people can have a plan. They can organise an event uh, with their joining up or meeting with their friends in a safe environment rather than people just won't be bothered now if there's a mad rush, there'll be a mad panic now to get bookings in uh, and it, it will be stressful for business owners and stressful for customers. And, and some of them customers will say, do you know what? I'm going to have a house party in my house and I'll invite all my friends mm. and no one will know anything about it. And that's the fear. And we don't want that. Okay. Um, so I think, look, our, our ask is for members of Cabinet to come back to us today uh, with some information and some, some clear um, guidelines and communication on, on where we... On, on whether we can open or not. All right, Owen, good to talk to you. Thanks very much. That's Owen O'Sullivan, president of the Cork Business Association, 1850-715-996. That is the call from the Business Association. Let us open. Let us work within restrictions. Give us the restrictions. Let us work within them, rather than having to guess what's going to happen When's it going to happen? Are we going to be open? Are we not going to be open? Will some of us ever be able to open again? You can see their point. 1850 I'd like to hear your views on that. Kate says, I keep saying if they opened the restaurants, it would be a lot more controlled than all the bushing and the house parties and so on. Also, I'd love to wish Colin Brahan, a lovely man, who's featuring on 96 today for opening a new business, all the very best. He has a lovely family too. Yeah, we've, we'll catch that package from Fiona later on in the morning. Lots of people have reinvented themselves and changed, t- taken a look at what's in front of them and said, all right, this ain't getting me anywhere. Sitting worrying about this ain't getting me anywhere. I must do something different. And we've got a couple of those success stories coming up during the morning. 1850-715-996. Also hoping to talk later with Danny McConnell from The Examiner because they've got some information on their front page this morning about what we'll be able to do for Christmas. Not so much the business sector, well, they've got some of that too, but what we'll be able to do, like, will we be able to visit our friends and family as we normally would across Christmas and Christmas Eve and Stephen's Day and the whole lot? Will we be able to do that? There's some information on the examiner this morning. I'll catch up with Danny on that a little bit later. 1850-715-996. We were talking yesterday with Tina Sadler from the Rape Crisis Network about Helen McEntee, the Minister for Justice, has pledged that this law, which will make it a criminal offence to share an image of somebody without their consent, that will be brought in ASAP. She's hoping to do it by the end of the year. In fact, she's hoping to have it made law by Christmas. It's been sitting there, a Labour bill, a piece of Labour legislation, been sitting there for quite a while. Helen McEntee has chosen or said she will run with it and go with it um, before Christmas. We'll, we'll see if that will happen. It'll be great if it does. If it does, 
you know, catch up again with somebody else who's been affected by that kind of thing next 1850-715-996 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see lehanmotors.ie The Takeover on Cork's 96FM Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home we give you the chance to take charge of our tunes join me Lorraine as you decide what songs we fire up What we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Story. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. I went through the timeline there just before the break. This thing has really snowballed in the last couple of weeks. You'll remember I spoke to Megan about it coming up to a fortnight ago now and then it snowballed because there was this massive leak, a deliberate leak of tens of thousands of images and videos, some of them of people, minors some of them of minors and that of course when minors were involved, that immediately brought Gardaí into the equation and now the Victims Alliance led by Linda Hayden has handed over an awful lot of information and made some statements to the Gardaí. There is a Garda investigation ongoing into a number of forums and the stuff being shared on them and then Helen McEntee who hadn't exactly been over eager to sign Brendan Howland's bill into law announced yesterday the day before that in actual fact yeah we'll, we'll have that sorted this side of Christmas so it all seems to be going in the right direction, that by the end of this year or the start of next, it will be a criminal offence to share somebody's image without their consent. Uh, There's a protest coming up or a demonstration at the weekend, um, I suppose calling for that to happen quickly and to make sure that it's done properly. Uh, Ebony Burke, we've talked on the show before. Ebony, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Great. Obviously, the developments of the last few days are, are welcome and, and Helen McEntee's commitment to get something done ASAP is, is the most welcome of all. What must she do to do it right? I think to do it right, I would say um, instead of fast-tracking it so that it's passed without any sort of consideration for the context in which the leaks happened, I think to carefully look through the bill and make sure to listen to campaigners who have been advocating for amendments to be made to the bill uh, to make sure it's much more all-encompassing um, and to prevent this from ever happening again and then obviously pass it as soon as possible then. Now clearly you've looked at the bill. What does it need to strengthen it as you see it right now? That you've, 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 we've all looked at what Brendan Howland has has put it up there. It is quite concise, I have to say, but I'd say one of the biggest changes I would make to it is to include gender-neutral language with regards to body parts and genitalia that's mentioned, as well as the fact that uh, the images are described as intimate images and we're kind of pushing for intimate and sexual images just so that everything is covered, among many other changes. That would Now, this might sound like an awful silly question, but does not does one not suggest the other? I would say um, in most contexts it, it, it can definitely, but I would say the, the push for uh, sexual images is to protect sex workers in this in this context, as well as intimate who would protect people who have just been sharing news with, I suppose, partners or, or people that they've been texting. Yeah. 
Now, the demonstration at the weekend, it's hard to organise a demonstration when you're trying to social distance properly. It most definitely is. It was extremely limiting. The the main idea was to flood Leinster House with a bunch of protesters and bang on their door. But obviously, um, the safety of our, our protesters and advocates is, is my first priority. So we have to do it all online, unfortunately. So how is what what is going to happen? Um, there will be a Zoom of up to 250 participants, not including guest speakers and the speakers on the day. Um, and it will also be live streamed on Facebook and hopefully YouTube as well, um, just to get just to make sure that we have as many people participating as possible. Now, when we started talking about it, we've talked about it many times, but when we t- started talking about it with Megan a fortnight to go on the opinion line, within, I think, 48 hours of that conversation came the flood of leaks, so whether the two were connected, I, I know not, but certainly some of the work that Megan was doing and some of the work that Linda Hayden was doing, it seems to have led to this flood of leaks onto a, onto a platform. There was some horrible stuff out there, but brought the guards in. I think it opened all of our eyes, Ebony, to what is going on. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, it, it's always been said, um, you know, there's expressions thrown around that boys will be boys. And, and I, I know for myself, just being a woman in Ireland, it's kind of expected almost that, uh, you know, you can't really trust who you're sending news to. But the extent of the news, I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of images here. I mean, I, it, it definitely opened my eyes to my place as a woman in society in Ireland. And I know that has for many other people. How do you, who mean, are like how do you mean by your place? I suppose, you know, it's not just a case now of, of you know, women uh, having the freedom to kind of send uh, news and have that consent behind it or, or to expect consent and privacy. I think it, it was a very obviously gender-based attack and it has made me a little bit more afraid to be a woman in Ireland today. Okay, okay, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, most definitely. It, it's hard to As say. It, it's you unfortunate know, I, to hear a young person say that in... in, in, the, in 2020. I know, it's desperate. You know, you, you, I was in a place of denial, certainly, before the leaks. I thought, you know, everything was grand. We, we, you know, we're, we're fine. You know, I mean, definitely we're not as, as, as well as we'd like to be in terms of feminism and everything like that. There's still a bunch of other things I won't get into at the moment. But look, at, I mean, with, the, with this, I felt initially that it kind of had set us back a little bit further um, than, than was to be expected. I mean, this hundreds of thousands of images, it can't be ignored, you know, and, and all of women. Yeah, and many of minors, and that is what brought the guards into it, to be fair. It is, yeah, and it's a shame that that's what had to bring the guards into it as well. Now, I understand that that's why they were involved, but the fact that there were leaks to begin with, and it's such an invasion of privacy, I don't think it should have taken something that drastic. Mm. Yeah. Okay, Ebony, good to talk to you. Thank you very much. That's Saturday, 3 to 5. Where can people register for the Zoom? Um, there's an Eventbrite link on the Facebook page and it's being circulated on uh, and IBSA's uh, Ireland's uh, social media pages on Instagram and Twitter as well as the Facebook. All right, good luck with it. Good to talk to you again. That's Ebony Burke, 1850-715-996. Just getting back to those voucher ideas. In the South previously, Sinn Féin had proposed that every adult would get €200, Euro, children €100 Euro to spend in the hospitality sector in businesses that registered their interest. That from Councillor Mick Nugent. Yes, Mick, I, I remember that. I do remember that. These are different, though. The vouchers in the north, you can they just land on the mat and you can spend them anywhere. Restaurants, shops, a pub if it's open, a hotel, I, but use it to buy a computer, whatever. That's the, the plan in the, in the north. 
I love that idea, and so does Owen from the Corner Business Association. And the thing about it, people say, oh, that'll cost an absolute fortune. Have you any idea the number of these vouchers that don't get cashed? If, if half the people cashed them in, it would be huge. But it's, it's an idea in the north. We wonder, will it come down here? 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Cork's 96FM's 10K Toy Giveaway is here. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and all day long. For your chance to win. For your chance to win. With Johnson and Parrott, Douglas, Bishopstown and Mahon Point. Put 2020 behind you and drive into 2021. Always open at jpmg.ie. Only on Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833969696. On Cork's 96FM. All right, our competition this week is with Sanitize Ireland. They have come up with a whole lot of products to keep you safe from COVID-19. You protect yourself, your business or your home. All the information on Sanitize Ireland. .ie. Give me a week that involves headlines from the newspapers. And I'm bound to jump on this at some stage. <laughs> There's a story in the sun today that the trials that the I'm a Celebrity contestants are doing, get they get a secret run through. So you see it tonight, they're screaming and roaring and ooing and Anne and I'm a happy place, happy place, happy all that no nonsense. They had a run-through during the day of the same thing for production and for health and safety and for whatever other reason they're choosing to explain themselves with in the sun this morning. So they got a run-through. So it's not a big surprise. It's not the first time that they've crawled into that hole. It's not the first time that that stuff has been dropped on top of them. It's not the first time that they've had to get the stars off that bit of wire down the end of the tunnel. Now, the sun calls it con of the castle, and I love that. But I just know that you can beat that, all right? So if you can beat con of the castle, the news in the sun today that the contestants on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here are getting run-throughs of those hugely dramatic screaming matches we hear. Oh, my God. Happy place, happy place. He got a run through. There he was, freaking out. We were talking about this on Friday. He was freaking out. <laughs> He'd had a run through hours earlier. Con of the castle. Beat that. Beat that. Text or WhatsApp your headline to 083 396 96 96. 083 396 96 96. Our prize today for the best one is an electrostatic fogger and five litres of solution. Again, all to protect you, your business and your home from COVID-19. Check out the information on sanitizeireland.ie. promised I'd come back to this speaking with Ola Sullivan at the top of the show from the Cork Business Association. And effectively, his members are begging for some kind of certainty as to what is going to happen with regards to Christmas for all kinds of business, just not just for retail but for the hotel industry, for the restaurants, for the pubs, for every conceivable kind of city industry. 
The Business Association wants to know what on earth is going on. Can we just get a set of instructions as to what we're to do and how we're to do it, rather than all this faffing about with meeting after meeting and discussion after discussion, and one fella says this and the other fella says that, and then Michal Martin leaves you even more confused after the press conference than you were before it. Daniel McConnell's political editor of The Examiner, and they have a bit of information in the paper today. I want to explore it with them. Danny, good morning to you. Good morning, Peter. When are we going to have an announcement and what's it going to have in it? Do you know? My understanding is that they're looking towards Thursday or Friday. There had been an initial thinking that they they do a big sort of uh, reveal on Friday, but the the fact that the late late toy show happens on Friday, they are concerned about people just either ignoring what they're going to say or it just clashing with that. So I think there is a move to try if they can get all the I's dotted and T's crossed, they'll do it on Thursday. And I think the moving forward of the Neffed meeting, the weekly Neffed meeting that usually happens on Thursday uh, to tomorrow, is seen as, as, as a significant kind of development in that in that space. But I mean, certainly the clear intention is that they want to kind of get out unfettered. Basically, the other government business has essentially been cleared to allow the government to concentrate on getting this very important message right this week. Because as you rightly say, you know, there's a desire not only just from businesses, but there's a desire from people all over the country to know what they can do in terms of where they're going to spend Christmas Day, can they see their family or not, can they travel to see an elderly relative or not, all that kind of stuff um, so I think what you're likely to see is a kind of a lot of those questions getting answered, probably mm-hmm. not all of them um, but certainly you know, we'll see from the, the 2nd of December a good chunk of the economy and society reopening again um, with more to come later in the month Taking a look at the various press conferences and newspapers over the weekend, there's a certain sense out there that if Dr. Holohan had his way, we'd continue to be in level five until about the 10th or 12th of December. Is there the slightest danger of that happening? I don't think so. I think government has very much set its 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 stall out in reopening the economy. And any any minute, I spoke to I think five or six ministers yesterday, and they were of the all of the view um, uh, that you know we're going one direction, that's reopening as opposed to extending the lockdown. I think they'll only consider any move to either continue where we're at or um, kind of reversing back into a lockdown in later December if the numbers really go off the charts. But I think there is a recognition within government that, listen, we've been through an awful lot this year. We had promised people that Christmas would be their their reprieve, essentially, and uh, ultimately I think they're going to stick to that. Because I think as well... They, they, they look at what's happening in terms of how people are shopping. You know, there's been such a migration this year because of COVID um, to, to online shopping. And, and, you know, high streets are really struggling. They were struggling already, but they're really, really struggling now. Um, and I think there's a kind of a feeling to give businesses as much of a, a kind of a shot before Christmas as they can. Um, and I do think there's a kind of a, there, there is a kind of a, a growing resistance to simply just accepting what Neffet say, yeah. uh, because I think there is a realization that Neffet, as public health doctors, will take a very, very, very cautious approach. Yes. Uh, and people will say, some people will say, and, and there are some within government who would make that point that that concern, that caution, is sort of I won't say out of control, but the balance has been wrong, and there needs to be a more balanced approach. And I think you know, even government getting its own independent experts uh, expertise in relation to trends and, and how Neffet has worked or how, sorry, COVID has worked internationally, it's a clear sign that they want to have a robust discussion with Neffet uh, about how we reopen. So you're right, I think the medics would much prefer to continue the lockdown to the end of the year, um, but the politicians have been a a pain to say, we'll make the decision. Mm. Is there a rift there, Daniel? There's always a risk. Like, I mean, as one... as one Rift, uh, uh, as in a split between... Because we had a time when, you know, effectively what, what Dr. Holohan and his team said uh, the government did. Now that's long gone. 
Yeah, and I, I don't think that's any bad thing, though, to be honest with you. I think that, you know, we were right at the very start of this pandemic to, to stick very rigidly to the public health advice because we didn't really know an awful lot about COVID-19 when it kicked in in March. We know, an awful lot, we know an awful lot more about it now, and we know the economic impact that this has had. Um, you know, I think even Stephen Donnelly made the point in the draw last week, you know, the number of deaths in relation to COVID-19 are, are one-tenth of what they were back in April. So, like, I mean... This, by and large, and not with, notwithstanding the, the grave hurt and pain and suffering many people have gone through in relation to this virus, it, it is under control. We're nowhere near the, the capacity within our hospitals. ICU capacity is still well within in mm. realms. Um, you know, hospital numbers are are yes, they're, they're, they're certainly we're on an upward trajectory, but like people are recovering. Yeah. Um, so in, in huge I, numbers, and in fact, this morning we we're reporting here this morning that there's nobody in ICU in Cork now with COVID, which is great. And these, this is fantastic because, I mean, clearly, you know, um, this is a disease that, and a virus that really targets the elderly and the more vulnerable. And what is patently clear is that if you're the, the healthier and younger you are, the more likely you are to be able to either stave off any of the, the really negative symptoms connected with COVID-19 or that you won't suffer any symptoms at all. Um, uh, but, you know, like there clearly have been mistakes along the way. I think the nursing homes issue was a real mistake. I think the, the, the failure to move uh, more rapidly in terms of the meat packing plants across the country was certainly a failure at the start of the pandemic. But we're in a much better space in terms of our understanding now. Um, and I think politically uh, within government, there's a, you know, there is a real desire to get you know, your, you to get your gyms open, to get your your hairdressers open, to get like retail open. Um, the big problem, as we, as I think, we've been discussing for several days, PJ. You know, across the nation, is the wet pubs and kind of whether or not people can go drinking over Christmas or not, and that that obviously remains a high concern because, yeah. as we saw on the streets of Cork over the weekend, you know, large people, large amounts of people with alcohol is a dangerous mix. Yeah, I was about to come to that point. There's a sense, or at least there was a sense, over the last week to a week and a half that between the government, NEFIT and all the various advisors, civil service, whatever, that they had lost the room and they would need to re- do something solid to regain it. Without question. And I think lessons have been learned in relation to the various stages where government has lost control of the message um, throughout the pandemic. But what clearly have always worked is a strong, clear, coherent message from the Taoiseach of the day or the government of the day as to what's happening. And, you know, I think by and large, notwithstanding, you know, individual incidences of, of kind of poor behaviour, etc., like that by and large public compliance has been excellent in this country. And, and I don't think anybody can really argue with that. You know, you look at how well people have adhered to public health guidelines. I think there's an inherent uh, kind of element within a large section of the Irish community they'll do what they're told essentially they will comply with whatever rules are, are in front of them but they want clarity and they want a certainty or a, some sort of a guarantee that what they're doing is for a just cause yeah. and I think what has entered into the conversation and correctly in my view is a, is a more critical analysis of what NEFIT has recommended and particularly you know I'm talking about there was a lot of talk around whether we needed to move to level 5 or not you know there's a growing stock of opinion that level 3 was working um, and whether we needed to move to level five, given the economic impact that it has had on, on, on businesses all over the country. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, it, it's, it's always easier to be cautious, you know, and, you know, as one politician said to me, you know, if public health had their way, we'd, we'd, live, our, we'd live our lives in our beds because it's the safest thing to do. But you can't, that's not a very fruitful or productive life. You, you know, we have to take risks and it's, mm. it's about managing the risks. 
Um, and ultimately, I think government is heading towards the direction of, okay. right, opening up the economy is a risk, but it's a, it's a risk worth taking, taking okay. out of now. Now, there's an economy, and obviously the economy and the business sector is looking to know what it'll be told. Thousands and thousands of families, Daniel, are looking to know what, what we'll be told, particularly about being able to, you know, have... Um, Nana over for dinner or or be able to go to my brother's house for a drink on Christmas morning, the things that everybody likes to do. Will we get a reprieve from restrictions for Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, those key days? That's my understanding. I mean, my the, what was certainly in the mix when we were going to print last night was this, and I think we had reported a few days previous to that, this idea of a two-week reprieve in terms of hospitality. So, I mean, what you're looking at is the economy opening up next week in terms of retail and, and all those sort of things, hospitality the following week. And then around Christmas, what you're looking to see is one of the ways it was put to me was moving to a sort of a level two scenario in terms of visiting people's homes. So that would mean, as it's stated now, it's six people from two two or three households. What they're likely to see is some fixing of that or some you know tweaking of that to essentially allow families to get together on Christmas Day. I think there's a realisation in government that you're, like people will travel anyway, so I think there needs to be a, an element of pragmatism and an element of realism in what they're guiding. What they are saying is that if you do go to your brother's house or your sister's house or wherever and you, and you have your kids with you and all the rest of it, you, need to, you still need to make sure you need to keep a distance. Like You can't go in hugging everybody, you can't go yeah. in kissing everybody, you can't be sitting right on top of each other as you probably normally would. 14 you know, around the one table ain't going to cut it this Christmas. No, it's not. So you're probably thinking a maximum of six to eight, I'd say, around the Christmas table. And what you're likely to see is, as as we've done in my family, you know, you have like a, a table for the kids and a table for the adults. I think that's that's likely to, to what is going to be uh, kind of uh, proposed. What, what I was getting a sense of last night is that the government is clear that people want to know that sort of granular detail as to how to behave on Christmas Day. Yeah. So there will be a sort of a guide as to right, you know, this amount of people in the house probably limit the amount of time you spend in the house. If you're if you're in a room that's not ventilated, make sure you open a window where you can, uh, even if it's cold. Make sure doors are open so there's air flowing through the house, etc. That and keep a reasonable distance, you know, as much as you possibly can. But mm. yeah, like the idea of sitting on top of each other, you know, fourteen around the table that's normally only meant to hold about six or seven people is not going to happen and shouldn't happen. Like yeah. I'm from a big family myself. I six uh, there's six of us. We normally all get together and there's anywhere between twenty five and thirty of us normally at Christmas. That's not going to happen this year. So we've been told to sort of essentially pair off with your your your, your sibling of choice, essentially like that, like so, and then and yeah. do it that way. And I think that's a realistic and pragmatic option, you know, to for a lot of people to consider. The big the big thing though, PJ, is that if say you're living in Dublin and your your home is in Cork, yes, well, that will that be will be allowed to travel? You will be allowed to travel. That's my understanding. Uh, is that like they realise that people are likely to do it anyway? And how would you as a gar- how would you as Gardaí enforce you know people not travelling? I think there's a realisation that given the sacrifices that people have made, getting home for Christmas is a hugely significant thing for an awful lot of people. Um, and I think I think that the way I think as we're reporting this morning, there will be unfettered access across the country. So you will be able to if you're as I said if you're based in Dublin but your your home is Cork you'll be able to go home to Cork for Christmas dinner. Two more things on travelling home. Are they still telling people not to come from overseas, even though we know they will? Yeah, that's still the advice as of now. Like, they basically, like, I, I checked this last night. Um, there's no updated guidance. So basically saying stick to the, the, the sort of traffic light system. Um, that might change. I mean, I think there's a realisation that people are going to travel. You know, if, if you're in London or if you're in New York or if you're somewhere 
and you haven't seen your family in over a year, you're going to come home and you're, you're going to be coming home anyway, no matter what, because all of these are guidances. They're not essentially strict laws, you know what I mean? So you can't really stop them. And, you know, a huge element of the success of the pandemic and combating the pandemic has been public buy-in and compliance with the laws. Um, and so I think, you know, I think there's an element, a realisation certainly within government that Leo Varadkar's comments in the door where he simply kind of almost flippantly said, yeah, don't bother coming home or don't book your flights yet. Um, that was seen as kind of heartless and, and, you know, there was a visceral sort of reaction from a lot of Irish people living abroad. Uh, I remember I saw a piece that Charlotte Regan, the comedian uh, who lives in London, he spoke very eloquently about uh, about the sort of reaction in the Irish uh, Irish community in London uh, about that. So I think there's a realisation that they need to, to, to kind of introduce some sort of guidance about uh, people coming home. And certainly talking to a minister last night, he said... Yeah, what is an essential trip? That means something different to everybody. I mean, you can have an elderly relative who needs who needs a bit of support at Christmas time. You can have a young niece or nephew who needs who needs uh, caring at, at Christmas yeah. time as Actually, well. So, lastly, and briefly, because the clock is catching me, Daniel, I meant to get to this one, and we only got a few seconds for it. Nursing homes. Will there be something for people to go to see a person in a nursing home Christmas Day? I think there will be, but I think it'll be very limited. So I can't, my understanding is that there's likely to be kind of a designated person or persons that will be allowed to go in, but I think it'll be very, very limited. I think there's still a great deal of concern around um, the clusters that have, have that have showed up in, in nursing homes. So if there's five or six kids and there's you know an elderly parent in, in, in a nursing home, I think it'll probably be one or two at max who will be able to go in and see them. All right, appreciate that. Thank you. Daniel McConnell, political editor of The Examiner. We'll know an awful lot more before the end of the week. We'll get to do some stuff. If we're not safe or we don't feel safe, we can stay at home, but we will get to do some stuff. Not as much as we'd like to, but something at least. Thanks, Daniel. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. 185715996 is the phone number. The text to WhatsApp, both 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter is at opinionline96. Hashtag is OL96. If you want to catch us through Facebook, send a message to the Corks 96FM Facebook page and mark it, if you could please, for the attention of the opinion line. Couple of things going on there. Uh, uh, yeah, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there for one second, lads. You're on. It, it, it's busy. It is busy. All right, give me a break. <laughs> Andrew says, I think it's amazing the vast majority of people are calling for a reopening of the economy, whereby large, by and large, those who in March or April were shouting for lockdown. Maybe, maybe not, Andrew. Businesses are looking to get open and get trading and get some retail going and get some something moving in the economy this side of Christmas. Obviously, you heard Jerry Killeen there in the news. Jerry has always been saying that long term, the longer you hang down, the better the economic turn it will be. That's Jerry's view. Many people agree with him. Some people don't. Retail sector want to get over open, want to save jobs for Christmas. The hotels, the restaurants, the pubs want to get open, want to save jobs for Christmas. Caller says, can you stop with the negativity towards the government? Nobody knows really what the results will be of lifting lockdown. Balancing the loss of life in other areas of the health service with the potential of massive loss of life from unrestrained COVID-19. They're doing their best and it's an unenviable decision. 
They have the lives of all those people on their conscience and it's a very heavy decision too. We will make the best of the Christmas we're given and please help us enjoy it rather than wishing for what we can't get. If you had the Pope on, you'd argue with him about the decision. Well, I would, might and I mightn't call her. If I agreed to the decision, I might not argue. Sometimes my job is to argue, but I do take your point. Neffet can pee off. I'll have as many people as I want to in my house at Christmas, says John. Mary says there's no evidence to show that opening the pubs and restaurants will reduce house parties. House parties are likely to increase when people come out of restaurants and pubs as they go back to someone's house for another few drinks, especially if the pubs are shutting earlier, like they have been. Now, as we figure out what's going to happen and what the results of it will be, Kevin has tweeted a piece of news Well, he's retweeted, actually, Richard Chambers from uh, Virgin Media tweeting Nine News in Australia who report that in the state of Victoria, now bear in mind, Melbourne had one of the harshest lockdowns in the world. Really heavy-duty lockdown and curfew and fines if you farted wrong. Like, it was really heavy-duty. There were no new cases, no deaths, and no active cases reported yesterday in the whole state of Victoria in Australia. Uh, they're midsummer out there, which means life is a lot easier. But in the whole state of Victoria, which in July was in serious trouble, it was rampant in July with COVID. There were no cases, no deaths, no active cases. Queensland has been the same for weeks and weeks. So, Again, as Kevin says, don't tell me it can't be done. They've done it in Australia. And don't start making excuses about different country, different way of life, different this, different that. There are Irish doctors over there, Niall Conroy being among them, doing an incredible job with public health. It can be done and it is being done. But I digress. I have other things to get to. Lynette has contacted us. Good morning to you. Morning, PJ. Describe for me the photograph that you sent us. Yes, um, I was parked on Cove Street and as you can see that there is a clearly visible white um, line around the parking bay yes. and I got a ticket on the car um, for parking where there should be no parking at any time. Let me just describe the picture as I said now to, to listeners mm-hmm. after you went through it with me. So there's Cove Street at the bottom mm-hmm. and there's, there's the, your, your car. Yes. And then there is, I can, I can make it out here with my computer mouse, the outline of a parking bay. Correct. Absolutely. So there, there, yes. you, you've, and, and did you put a disc up? Yes, there was a parking permit on the car. Okay. So, so you were there parked as you thought legally. For, correct. And I, now I was only there for approximately 15 minutes. Right. But I, I actually had somebody dropped to the diabetic clinic and I got the call to go up to guide them down because they, when they put the drops in the eye, their vision isn't very clear. And by the time I got down, there was a parking ticket on the car. Right. On what grounds? And they're saying that there is a sign there saying that there is no parking at any time. And the only there? signs visible to me on that street are defaced and even the stop sign is turned the wrong way. Yeah. And I feel that it's entrapment. And I have contacted Cork City Council about this and they're giving me no hearing on it and they have turned down the appeal. Well, there is a parking bay there. Correct, and it looks a visible, okay, it's faded, parking. but it's there. Yeah. Yes, correct. And, and is there no a, is there a number on it for say park by phone or disc parking? Is there a street number on it, for example? There 
to be honest, I don't know. All I know is that you have to pay parking, but I had a disc for okay. dairy. Right. I had a, par- a valid parking disc for dairy. Which you put up, yeah. Which was, which was up, yes, correct. The, there is double yellow lines further back at the T-junction. Oh, yeah, you're miles away from them. Absolutely. There is double yellow lines across the road. So my, my question to Cork City Council, have they got different bylaws for different sides of the road? And if you look in the general area, which I have done on Google Maps, it is you can quite clearly see that the parking zone starts just after the double yellow line yeah. on every other street. There's a there. double yellow line at the bottom of your picture. Correct. Because again, I'm describing it for listeners. There's a but double yellow line at the bottom of your picture. Then there's a drain. And, Correct. And, and then there is the, the outline. Now, it's faded, but you can see it. There is the outline then of a parking bay and and to be fair along the footpath and I can't zoom mm-hmm. now where I am but along the footpath there's no signage of any description that no. I can see no I, I, now, I there is something there near your car there's what mm-hmm. looks like a pole up against the wall is that a sign that is a sign yes correct. and what's on that sign that sign just says, um, gives the number if you don't have a parking permit to ring in to pay for your parking oh so it's a pay parking sign Correct. Okay. From my understanding of the sign. Now, the signs on that street are defaced. Yeah. Which they shouldn't be. Is that a kind of a bluish sign? I, 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 you know, I'm not, I, I think it might be. I'm not yeah, sure no, the reason honest. I ask is they're around here too. There's a blue sign with a number on them for the street. Yeah. Okay. When, like, when I, when I came there, there was a car parked, we'll say, to the start of that white line that you can see outlined. And then I just parked parallel in front of it. In yes. front of the car. That car subsequently moved a couple of minutes after I parked there, which was fine. I believe that I was parked in a valid parking spot. That looks absolutely fine to me. I'd, I'd struggle to find out. I'd, I'd struggle to know. I'd struggle to know what was wrong with the way you're parked there. Absolutely. And, and I went on Google Maps last night and I can see that there is other cars that are parking there. Yeah. Now, no, I would... Uh... I would question Cork City Council might be down 8.4 million due to the, the COVID pandemic in revenue, but that doesn't mean that they have to be entrapping people in Cove Street. Well, to well let's, let's, uh, entrapping is a, is, is a strong old word, but, but at the same time, I can see why you would be aggrieved. Uh, the, photogra- well, the photograph I'm looking at in front of here, I would cert- put it this way, yes. were it me, I would appeal it. Now, when I when I spoke, and I won't give any names on RPG, but when I spoke to Cork City Council about this, the, the first thing your man says to me, is that the car with the end plate? And straight away, I kind of thought, is that, do you know, did they see an end plate on the car and think young driver may not know the, the rules of the road and the bylaws and all of the rest? Now, I'm driving 22 years. The car was actually, is actually my son's car, but oh, that's yeah. irrelevant. But, like, I'm driving 22 years. I have never got a parking ticket. Yes, I've always paid for parking. Yeah. It's not. It's no, not I, I, I have to say. To I have to say to you. I have to say to you. I cannot, from where I see that photograph, from that photograph, I cannot discern why you're parking. Why you got a parking ticket? Absolutely. I neither can I, and I have, I have appealed the case to Cork City Council. Did you send them the photograph? Yes. I Did you ask them to today? explain why or where or prove I, to you that it's not in a parking area? All I got back was a letter saying that the appeal had been turned down on the grounds that it was a no parking area at any time. Okay. That's and you exactly saw no sign to that effect? 
I saw no sign. I look at the road when I'm driving. I don't be, do you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I don't be looking up walls or, or any place yeah. else. Because that, that, that sign in by the wall that that's near you, that's relatively near your car, like you couldn't get out of the car without seeing that. Correct. It was right, it was actually right alongside me. Yes. And that was a pay parking sign? Correct. And they're telling me it's an old parking zone. What do you plan to do now? Um, I'm going, well, first off, I will, I, I've asked them for their bylaws. I want to see the bylaws in, in relation to Coast Street. Uh, when I asked them for the bylaws, they actually emailed me back and said they didn't know what I, I meant by the bylaws. This yeah. is Cork City Council telling me they didn't know what I meant by the bylaws mm. of their own of their of their own streets. Now I would imagine if the if if it was an old parking area at any time that there would have been double yellow lines. Well, I would have thought there'd be a list of designated areas where there was no parking at any time. Yes, or else have a no parking sign on the road, not yeah. the outline of of a parking bay. And yeah. then tell the person once they've got the ticket that yeah. they're wrong and that their appeal has been who, turned down. Who, who might be able to clarify this for us, actually, Lynette, might be someone mm. living on Cove Street. So if there's anybody mm. listening that's living on Cove Street mm-hmm. that knows what the exact situation... Because, to be fair, there's a car above in front of you. There's correct. a couple of cars in front. Did they there get is, tickets? correct. No, I checked every car. No, just oh, me. Just you. With the end We'll Definitely. follow this one with some interest because, in fairness, in fairness, there's there's no way to discern from this photograph that you've given me uh, yes. wh- why why you got a ticket. Like I'm a, I'm I'm not a native of Cork City. You know, my son does live there. Yes, or, or was living there. But like that, I wouldn't know the streets. I'm totally depending on the road signs I, uh, on the roads that is there for for me to determine if that's a legal parking space or not. That was a legal parking space to me. I seen the the outline mm. of the white mark, and I parked there because it looks like parking bay to me. Mm-hmm. And I can't see any reason why it shouldn't be a parking bay because it's at least five meters from the double yellow mm. line at the T junction. Let me let me with look. The stop sign turned the wrong way. <laughs> let me look something up here now, right? Let me look there now. There is a Cove Street Cork. Is a pay parking area according? I have the app on my phone, the parking yeah. app on my phone, mm-hmm. and Cove Street Cork, by, a co- by all accounts, is a pay parking zone. And mm-hmm. if you were displaying a valid disc, I don't understand why you got a ticket. Because they're saying that I was parked at a no, like they're on the on that patch of street as you can see. It's not written that no parking applies here on the road. It's not written. It's not clearly. It, it, Mark and it's it, the double yellow lines are five hundred are five meters back from the car, so I didn't see anything wrong with my parking. I thought I was parked perfectly legal, and I have made this point to Cork City Council. I'm not getting any any satisfaction back from them. I have contacted one of the local TDs. I have contacted the local councillors. Only one councillor, county councillor in Cork, actually rang me back, and okay. I have rang several of them. That's okay. the interest that they have in, in their in their job. Okay. Well, but putting that aside, the 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 county councillor that did ring me back, he took the corporate view and was on about a white line that had was totally irrelevant to my to my situation. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm I'm saying. Look, there may well be an explanation, Lynette, and I'm sure if someone can show it to you, you'd accept it. But from what I'm looking at, from the photograph you 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 sent me, I I can't tell why you got a ticket unless that. 
assuming that the disc was valid, which you say it was. Lynette, leave it there with you for now. Thanks very much and thank you for, for, for calling. Has anyone come across that in Cove Street? According to the Park by Phone app, I've just checked it there on my phone while I was talking to Lynette, it is a designated pay parking area. She says she has a disc up. The photograph that she sent us clearly indicates, well, it's faded, but does indicate the parking bay. And there's a sign which she says was about pay parking. So why was it declared a no parking area by the warden? Does anybody know? Anybody live in Cove Street that can that can tell me? Anybody being caught in a similar way? Is there something about Cove Street that's been changed that we should know about? 1857 Coming up, an incredible scientific breakthrough that we all might want to take advantage of soon. 1857, and I don't mean the vaccine. 1857 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Cork's 96 FM has identified many advantages to wearing a face mask. Unexpected spot or pimple? No problem, you're covered. Lip sync to your favourite songs without anyone ever noticing. And say goodbye to chapped lips caused by cold winter winds. However, the main reason for wearing a face mask is the most vital to help stop the spread of coronavirus. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. We're masking for a friend. Thank you. From Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833969696. On Cork's 96FM. Mike says, I hear TDs and city councillors for a parking ticket. Well, people do ring their councillor for less than that, Mike. Lynette's choice of words indicates she knew she parked where she shouldn't have. It was clearly marked, only look at the road and not the signs. Mags, I have the picture in front of me. I have the benefit of the photograph. And I tell you this, if I parked where she parked and I had a valid disc up, like she says she has a valid disc up, I would appeal the ticket. And that's looking at the photograph from where I look at it. But I, I, if, I, if, if I can be proved wrong... I'd love to be proved wrong, and if she can be proved wrong, then she'd love to be proved wrong. But she obviously, it, it looks like she's perfectly legitimately parked in Cove Street. And we've looked at it ourselves here in the executive research desk. We can't see what's wrong either. And I looked at the app, the council app for where you pay to park, and Cove Street is there as a paid parking zone. So we'll see where it goes. 1857 Scientists in Israel now tell us that they may be able to haunt the, or halt rather, the ageing process, believe it or not. They may be able to turn back the clock in two key areas of the body which are responsible for the ageing process. They're part of our DNA, they're called telomeres, which are part of our DNA. And there's also a thing called senescent cells. Now, telomeres are part of DNA that are part of the aging process and senescent cells are aging cells and, and you can't give back to the youth of an aging cell. So they, they, they say that they have managed to reverse this or completely slow it down using a thing called hyperbaric chamber oxygen therapy where you sit in the chamber and you breathe in pressurized pure oxygen for a period of time. There actually is a centre in Cork 
where this can be done. It's in Bandon. And the gaffer there, the chairman, is Robert Wilmot. Robert, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you this morning? Good. This is interesting technology. Uh, the, the story from Israel is fascinating, the way they explain it. I'm reading from The Independent. Uh, effects on the, the part of our DNA that makes us age and, and the cells that are caused by aging. It, if, if, if it's replicated in another, ter- in another test, it's a breakthrough. Yes, PJ, this has been going on for a few years. I think they got 35 healthy people over uh, 65 years of age and they put them in a hyperbaric oxygen centre for five days a week, uh, a dive a day, that's what we call a treatment, where it'll be a dive a day and they had them for 90 days. And I think that was part of the outcome, like, where we in Bend now wouldn't be dealing with that at the moment. We'd be dealing with the different elements of uh, people with injuries with MS, cerebral palsy, strokes. That's the people we'd be dealing mostly with, you know. Mm. It's old enough technology, isn't it? It's been there for a while. Oh, yes. It, 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 we started off, how we started off actually was in around 1996, 97. We had a, a man here, an MS sufferer, uh, Liam DC. And Liam used to go to Wales on holidays, and there was a chamber, a hyperbaric oxygen chamber there. Mm-hmm. And he found when he went into the chamber after, he'd go in every day for, say, a week or two, and when he came out, he'd have great energy. And when he'd come home then, he found, like, he'd come home, say, in September, and by the time October, coming in November, the energy be gone from him. So he decided to get a group of people, uh, a few friends, but very important, he got a, a person by the name of Paddy O'Sullivan, who was a diver. Mm. And Paddy would have experience of decompression chambers. Because initially, isn't it, Robert, that one of the things we know that hyperbaric oxygen is for is for divers who get the bends, who get uh, the sickness from di- diving sickness. That, you know? Yes, that, that's right. Now, th- there is one centre in Galway for that, and I think I think there's another one in... Uh, uh, it's a, these are commercial. This chamber now that we're talking about for the bins, like you could be diving to 100, 250 feet. Mm-hmm. Where in the chambers that we have, say, there's one in Dublin, there's one in Galway, uh, they're commercial chambers. We have one in Bannon, we were a charitable organisation, and we dive to 33 feet. Right. So right. that would be the difference in that. And you would spend a good bit of time in when you would have the bins maybe a couple of days in the chamber. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what so, kind of things do people come to you for for therapy like, with? Like, like, like with Lemdis, you know, he had, he had um, MS. Now, when he came to us, when, Liam, when we formed the chamber and we bought a chamber, um, we got into a Dr. Philip James, who was in Dundee University, lecturer there, and they have their own chamber there in Dundee. And... He explained to us how it, the whole thing set up. And so we got it set up and got it running. And we, at the moment, we thank God, we have two administrators, Christy and uh, Fimba, and we have 20 volunteers. But what people would come to us, if people had a stroke, people with uh, MS, no, it won't cure MS, but it is a big help to them, it gives them energy. Mm-hmm. People with uh, fatigue, uh, would have people with ulcers, uh, people post operations, especially cancer patients, no, like that. Uh, we have a lot of sports injuries. Like we have people coming from. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Stir cock, which is whatever you would know, I say, after that Sunday. And, you know, like very good for recovering of um, bone injury. Okay. Uh, issues. And well, what's the science, Robert? The science simply is when you, you breathe pure oxygen and we say the oxygen goes around your system at the moment, we say once a minute. Mm-hmm. All right? So when you go into the chamber, you, the chamber is pressurized and after 20 minutes you're breathing pure oxygen. Now, remember, we said it goes around once a minute in an ordinary person. It goes around 10 times a minute now. Right. So if you have any cells or any, if you have any muscles or injuries that are, say, that are dormant, these will bring these back to life and heal them yeah. faster. Cause so it goes into red blood cells and continues right. around. Only a fifth, approximately, of the air we breathe is oxygen. It's about 20, what, 22, 23%. 21%. Most of it is, ni- is nitrogen and, and other things. So yeah. if you take the air that we breathe, that I'm breathing now, is about a fifth oxygen and you increase that to full, pure oxygen, what's that doing to my body chemistry? Well, what, what, what it's actually doing, it's, 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 uh, it, you're getting your, a full benefit, and it speeds up all your, it, it goes into your red blood cells, and it, the, red, the red blood cells carry this oxygen around your system, and right. heals it up. That's what it does. It just heats up. It goes yeah. faster around okay. your body. How how much does it cost to to take a session of this? Okay, we're we're a charitable organisation here in Bendon. We're based in the in the town hall here in Bendon. Uh, for us at the moment, what we do, we're just charity. We every all our operators are voluntary, so we we only charge twenty euros. Now you can go to Dublin or Galway, which you'll be touching your hundred, hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty. In the states. It can go anything from five hundred to two thousand a session. Right, right. And no. what's your motivation? If it's not obviously it's not money, what's your motivation, Robert? Our, our motivation is if you see a person coming to you that's in trouble and that's we say that is sick and their quality of life isn't great, and you see them after twenty visits to us, and you see those people in great condition, we say going out and in good form, and you know that's that's your payment. It doesn't have to be money. 
it's, it's, and with our volunteers who are unbelievable, we have volunteers that come every week. We dive, what we call a dive, we dive twice a day right. uh, and three times a day. We charge 20 euros. If the person hasn't the 20 euros, they'll get to dive. One way or the other day, they'll get to dive. Okay. No, we have spent uh, we've spent a good few uh, like we've spent a good few uh, euros doing up the place and keeping it going down through the years, but only for the support of the people of Cork and okay. Bandon and West Cork. Financially, we've, we are very we are very lucky. Well, apart from nothing else, we we now know that it's there and 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 how it operates. Robert, thank you very much. That's Robert Wilmot, the chairman of the uh, Bantry Hyperbaric Oxygen or the Bandon rather Hyperbaric. Oxygen Centre. You can find them on the web if you want to take a look. Let's talk to someone who's actually used this therapy. Next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. One man who has used hyperbaric chamber oxygen therapy for the, the malady that afflicts him is my good friend Gareth O'Callaghan. Gareth, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You used this uh, a while ago as as a treatment for for your your MSA. Yeah, I, I did, um, and I found it uh, I found it powerfully therapeutic. And if I can just for a moment uh, thank the, the the crew, the the uh, the volunteers, and to Roberts and all the the gang at Bandon. the Bandon Clinic HBOT Hyperbaric Oxygen Therapy. They do an amazing job. Uh, they're they're that, they're not that very well known, which I suppose in a way, um, <laughs> there could be a problem if the entire country found out about them because um, there would be a lot of people queuing to take their services. Mm. Uh, it's it's a natural it's a natural therapeutic treatment. Um, it's it, basically what you're doing is, as Robert said, you're you're going to a level of pressurization where the oxygen becomes far more potent and um, isolated than it would be, say, for example, if you were to sit at your dining room table and inhale it. Mm. So you have to be at such a level where it, 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 the, the oxygen power is pumped up. Mm. So you're, you're breathing um, pure oxygen, which you can't do for very long um, because obviously you need other elements in the air that you would be breathing at the same time, such as uh, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, and that. Yeah. But the, the the thing about the oxygen is, see, you, you got to understand. First of all, the human body is it's made mostly of water, but it, within the body itself, um, there's something like seven thousand trillion trillion atoms, and the makeup of the body. So, in other words, if you look at the human body, hydrogen makes up sixty two point nine percent of all of those atoms. Mm-hmm. Oxygen makes up about 24%. Then you have carbon and nitrogen and phosphorus and calcium. But see, as we get older, the hydrogen and the oxygen, which are the two most important components, as we get older, the cells can't absorb as much of these uh, very important elements as, as they need to. Yeah. So as you were saying, what happens is as the cells get older, they divide. And as they divide, these little DNA, they're like little tentacles, they're like little frayed pieces at the end of a rope. As you say, they're called telomeres. They, they begin to break down. So consequently, as they, as they get shorter, the cell gets weaker and it eventually dies. Mm. 
So, and that's where you get the, the senescent cells then, yeah. the, the older cells that are very, very prone to dying. But People should know, and I guess it's obvious, Gareth, ever since that you, you were diagnosed with the, the, the MSA, yeah. the, the amount of personal research that you've done, there are some of the specialists that you've gone to, and you know as much as they do. It's fascinating <laughs> to break into the science. So, so when you did the course yeah. with, 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 um, with Robert, what benefits did you, did you notice? Well, what I, what I did was you, you take a seat in this. It's like a diving bell. Um, and you take a seat with four or five other people um, and you put on this full face mask. It's almost as if you're going to do a deep sea dive. Um, and it goes right over your your uh, your mouth and your nose. And it there's a huge big band that's strapped to your head and one for the back of your head and a pipe that's connected out through the diving bell to the main works machine that's going to infuse you with oxygen. So they seal the chamber for about 45 minutes. You dive to a level of approximately 30 feet, as they say, which would be the equivalent of what it would feel like to breathe oxygen if you were actually diving at 30 feet. Um, If you can imagine having this great big oxygen tank on your back, which you don't have, but it would have a similar effect to that. So immediately the, the, the air in the, the chamber gets a little cooler as the, the chamber is pressurized. And then you suddenly hear this sort of sound like it's almost like a mm. and that's what you're inhaling. So you're inhaling the oxygen directly into your lungs. The minute it gets into your lungs, it permeates straight through to the actual cells in the body. And that's where the um, the changes take place right inside the cell. Yeah. So inside the cell, you have this little thing. It's like a car battery. It's called a mitochondria. And this is the energy of the cell. As we get older, it's like driving an old 20-year-old car, 30-year-old car. It doesn't perform as well as a modern car would. That's because all of the parts, um, they're, they're, it, like those telomeres, they're beginning to kind of fray and the cells are beginning to, the car is breaking up basically like the human cells do. So the oxygen regenerates the cell. It gets in like the hydrogen does and it cleans up what can be cleaned up. If it can't save the cell, it helps to generate new ones. So that's what's actually happening. You're, you're, why a body gets older is because the cells die and they don't work properly anymore. Yeah. But the oxygen is actually helping them to retain their strength and their power and the energy that they need to drive out into the body to make it function. So um, it, I was reading up on this. Israel is really where it's all happening. Yeah. Um, they're, they're coming, like so many of these, they're geniuses over there and they're coming out with cures for this and treatments for that. Between these guys and the Japanese, they're, they're light years ahead of, of Western medicine and, and what's actually happening here. So I, I do believe, you know, I, I think the whole idea of, of slowing down the aging process is, is probably the best way to put it. I think reversing it, yeah. I, don't think you, I don't think they will ever achieve that, certainly not in our lifetime, where you can, as it were, but regain... You know what? I, wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind sitting with a big helmet on me a couple of times a week if I thought I could stop right now, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, well, to be hundred. Well, well, that's true. And and the, the thing about it is, is see, I, this um, my thinking, and it is being proved. It's being proved in Japan at the moment that not only is it see, if you slow down aging, you're slowing down 
the progress of certain diseases. Because yeah. if you can stop the body from aging, you essentially should be able to stop a disease from progressing mm. because one goes hand in hand with the other. As a body gets older, it's more prone to illness. Uh, the older the body is, the less likely it is capable mm. of fighting off the illness. So if you can slow down the aging process, at the same time, there's a huge likelihood, as they're proving, that you can slow down mm. uh, the progress of in, various diseases. In terms of the, the the malady that afflicts you, MSA, yeah. how did the effects? How did this work with the effects of that? Like, did you uh, notice a discernible change of any kind? Uh, I, I did, I did in, in little ways. Um, the thing about oxygen, and this is not a criticism, because I would highly recommend anybody with any form of, of um, oxidative stress type disorder. Oxidative stress is where the tissues in your body um, are, are, are being slowly destroyed by, by illness. Cancer, for example, um, is probably the biggest example of what oxidative stress does to the human body. The cancer cells, they destroy the good cells, uh, they hijack them. They, it's almost like as if they can mind read the cells and then they get the good cells to create more cancer cells. So, you know, it, it's very good from the point of view of supporting cancer treatments. Mm. So if, if you're taking chemotherapy or if you're taking radiation therapy, um, oxygen treatment is very, very good to help to repair the, the tissue damage and the tissue inflammation that's caused by that. In terms of the neurological conditions, now this is still, the judges are still out on this one. Uh, the, should I say the jury? The, 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 see, the, the thing about the neurological conditions is that they can't get into the brain. They can get into any other part of your body. They can actually get into you know, your body and they can look at cancer tumours, they can't lift off your skull in order to see what these neurological conditions are doing. But what I have discovered, and I've been researching, doing huge research into this, is that oxygen to a certain degree, but hugely hydrogen, can get across what they call blood-brain barrier. Mm. Now, this is, it's, it's almost like a fortified gate that won't allow anything to cross from the body up at the back of the top of the, the, the actual spine right up into the brain. The brain is heavily protected to make sure that nothing gets in there that would damage it. But um, the thing about it is that because hydrogen and oxygen can penetrate the cells, they can do that equally so yeah. when they get into the brain. And that's why I believe that Certainly, I'm finding with the multiple system atrophy that I have, the MSA, it's responding well to hydrogen. It responds well to oxygen as well. But the problem is with hyperbaric oxygen, you can't have one of these great big cells in your house. Yes. You know, it, it's just, it, it's unthinkable. You would need planning permission. You and would a need lot of money. And a huge amount of money. Yes. Whereas yes. you can buy these portable hydrogen generators um, and you can tap away at your laptop, you can be doing your work, you can be reading a book, and you can hook this up to your, literally through a cannula okay. and absorb it. Okay. Um, so from that, I'm finding benefits. Um, I, I would be on a high dosage intake of hydrogen, mm. um, and I'm finding that it is benefiting me um, 
Well, the last time I saw you, the last time I saw you was at your wedding, and I have not seen you looking so well for months. So whatever you're doing, keep keep doing it, my friend. Gareth, (laughs) I'm going to leave it there. All right. Great, PJ. And our best, our best to to Paula as well, and uh, look after yourself. Thank you so much. Cheers. That's the great Gareth O'Callaghan using both oxygen. Well, he did use the oxygen. Now he's using hydrogen for treatment of that awful thing that ails him. And sometimes people ask me, how is Gareth? I haven't seen him looking so well in a long time. And that's great news. 1850 There was some research came out yesterday about anxious babies. Uh, pediatricians were saying, look, some babies are actually picking up on the anxiety of COVID-19 in the womb. And one of them was Dr. Neve Lynch from Bon Secours, who we have talked to many times she actually is observing babies coming into the world anxious, which is very, very strange. But Lisa, on, on the foot of that news, I think, on foot of that news, Lisa's talking to me today. Lisa, good morning to you. Hi, how are you? You know, when did you have a baby? Um, the 14th of July this year. Okay. okay. And, and when did you notice that, that something was up? Um, it was about six to seven weeks. Like the baby used to just have absolute meltdowns. It was like I couldn't put him down, wouldn't sleep during the day. He was totally restless or like frustrated in himself. And right. like I kept ringing the doctor and I was like, there's something wrong. It's not right. This isn't normal because this is actually my second baby. Right. I had a three-year-old at the time as well. So um, they were like ringing the doctor. She was like saying that, oh, it's, it's baby's hungry. So I was like, okay, so trying to increase the feed and stuff like that. Then I kept bringing the doctor back and they were like, no, look, bring the doctor de- or the baby down. So I brought the baby down and they were like, oh, he's constipated. So work on the constipation. And then it, get, it started to get worse. So the meltdown started to get more like bad, stuff like that. This was nearly the end of September. And then baby started to stop feeding so like he literally try and push himself out of my hands or like close his mouth or turn his head left or right Right. and stop stop taking a bottle which as you can imagine was very frustrating so I rang the baby uh, the doctor back again they were like oh the baby's hungry and I'm like I know the baby's hungry because the baby's not feeding Um, but it's not right something needs to be done like so they referred me into the bond because it was a case that the baby probably should have been getting about 20 to 20, maybe 20 ounces, and I would be lucky if I got 10 ounces into the baby. So it's just like he was always agitated. He was always frustrated. Mm. So this, when I was in the hospital then, they diagnosed the baby with reflux and constipation. Right. Which, and then they put the baby on medication and stuff like that, and I came out of hospital. But it, it made a small difference, but not a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So again, I kept ringing the doctor and saying like, "There's something wrong with the baby. The baby is actually frustrated. Like it does, he doesn't sleep during the day. Like he barely sleeps at night time. He's constantly crying. It could be an utter meltdown. And like trying to get a feed into the baby was is like mission impossible with the baby. Sure. So I started bringing the baby to craniotherapy because everyone was saying that like, oh, this works and stuff like that. Yeah." And it wasn't until I went to her and she actually asked me, like, what way was your pregnancy? Do you know, what way was the delivery and stuff like that? Was it stressful? Was it normal? At first, I kind of said no, because, it, yeah, it was grand. And then I really thought about it and I was like, no, it wasn't normal. It was a stressful pregnancy. Mm-hmm. 
and I, she was like, this actually has an effect on the baby. Um, she was like, you can, like, it's like he has trapped energy inside him that it's, it's frustrating for him. And then I went back to Nia Lynch, um, which was only two weeks ago, and she said the exact same thing to me. She was like saying that, like, she's seen it more and more with babies this time, and that, that the like just the worry and stuff, I suppose, that you have when you're pregnant yeah. with with go in pregnancies anyway. But then I suppose COVID is worse. And did you is, find did you find pregnancy through COVID very stressful, Lisa? Um, there was times when like I was in in worrying situations or stressful situations that I, I didn't have to have, I couldn't have my partner with me at the time. That was worrying. Like there was, there was times I had to go to the A&E and stuff like that. So I did kind of have a stressful pregnancy at the start because there was, there was small little issues and stuff like that. But yeah. there was one time that I actually really remember when I was going, I think I was about 35 weeks pregnant. So this was maybe June right. and I went to the doctor and for just the weekly checkup, and they were checking the baby's heartbeat and stuff like that, and they were trying to get it, and they couldn't get it at first. And I was like, but I can feel the baby kicking. And they were like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And I was like, I can really feel the baby kicking. Yeah. And um, they were like, no, look, we'll just check it again. And that was the nurse. And then the doctor came in, and she was, she checked the baby's heartbeat. And they said, they started asking about the cord from the baby. And I was like, Jesus, I don't know where the cord was in the baby and stuff like that. I'm like, we need to send it to the A&E because the baby's heart rate is actually very low. Right. So I was like, okay. And they were like, you need to go straight out. So I actually wasn't left to leave the doctors until my partner came up and collected me to bring me out to see you. And not being able to have him there, and we've talked to many people throughout the COVID about this, not being able to have him there at stressful times like that, that, that certainly didn't help you. And now we realise it didn't help baby either. Yeah, so that, that, and like I had to go into the same age and I was sitting in the receptionist. I had to leave my partner outside and I was waiting in the reception area for a, a while, watching people come in and out, like partners just being left at the door and like baby bags just being left at the reception, like and the car seats being left there as well. But I was sitting there, obviously I was because I'm driving out to the hospital with my partner and he can't come in, but I don't know what the actual yeah. outcome is going to be. I don't know. Am I going to be sectioned there and then, or what? Like, did they get it wrong, or is there something wrong yeah. with the and baby? That's, and that's and that's and that's a difficult time, and that's when you'd love the, the the partner to be with you. And we've talked to so many people who weren't able to to achieve that, and now it looks as if, Lisa, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, now, now it, it 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 looks as if definitely it it is being transferred into baby in the form of stress. Lisa, thank you very much. I hope everything either is okay or will be okay in the fullness of time for you. That's Lisa who had a baby in July. Stressful pregnancy through all of the limitations of COVID-19, the limitations of the, the pandemic that that placed on hospitals. We talked about that ad nauseum. Now we realise that actually that also affected the baby. And according to our regular paediatrician who we have on quite frequently talking about COVID, Neve Lynch in the Bonds, there is a connection. Stressful pregnancies have led to stressed babies. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Remember our giveaway with Sanitizer Ireland? I asked you to give me a better headline than what the Sun have for this one. It's a story in the Sun today. Hey, tell us we didn't know this. Our lives are ruined by finding this out. The I'm a Celebrity contestants get an opportunity to run through those horrible trials 
that we see them. So that when they're down in a cave or climbing through a hole or lying there waiting for maggots and things to fall on their faces, they've actually done it before. It's not actually new. They've had a chance to rehearse it. The sun, in typical style, calls it Con of the Castle. I want your headline to 083-396-9696 by text or WhatsApp. 083-396-9696. It's with uh, Sanitize Ireland. Protect yourself, your business or your home from COVID with sanitizeireland.ie. Today's prize is an electrostatic fogger and five litres of solution. 1850-715-996 is the number of the text to WhatsApp. 083-396-9696 in the email opinion at 96fm.ie. Some comments held over on the, the parking ticket story from the last hour where I was talking to, what's that her name was again? Now, Lynette. And she parked in Cove Street and she sent me a photograph of her parked and she got a ticket. And she can't figure out why she got a ticket and I can't figure out why she got a ticket. She insists that she had a valid parking disc on the car. She has no idea why she got a ticket. She appealed it and she's not getting anywhere. And I'll be honest with you, having the picture in front of me, I think I'll probably appeal it myself. Michael says, I'm going through a similar issue with a speeding file. We have the details there. Ange works in the city centre, Angie, and I've been parking on Cove Street for three years using the parking app. The only place I can see a problem is around where the old Foss building was demolished. There are no signs there. It's jammed every morning for free parking. And some people park on the corners. Well, Lynette was nowhere near a corner. I think you have to be so far out from a yellow box or a loading bay, says this particular comment. I live on Cove Street. Parking is a joke. 1850-715-996. On hyperbaric oxygen, Paddy wants to know where they are in Bandon. Leave that with me, Paddy, because I've shoved the piece of paper on the other side of the table. I'll get it for you before 12. 1850-715-996. Have a listen to this. It was the run-up to Christmas and all through the mill. Despite all the kennels, everything was still. They sat in the darkness, just a crack of light, too afraid to bark, no person in sight. Their welfare's forgotten. Lo and behold, just a commodity, born to be sold. These dogs have one purpose. It's sad, but it's true. They're there to make puppies, just for you. A nation of dog lovers, that you'd never know. Be careful when buying, it's often a show. And have you ever thought... What happens to Mum? Now that all her puppies have gone. She must go through it all again and again, churning out puppies from her little pen. That's a quite upsetting little uh, television ad uh, to promote what we've been saying on this program for years. Do not give puppies for Christmas. And whatever you do, be careful. If you are buying a puppy, be careful of where you buy them. Or preferably, don't buy them at all. Becky Bristow is Executive Director of Dogs Trust and joins me now. Becky, good morning. That's your ad and I must say it's quite an effective little one. Hi, PJ. Thank you for that. Yeah, we, we went out on a bit of a limb this year because normally with Dogs Trust, we try to show the joy and the love of dogs and, you know, the good stories. But this year has been so horrific for dog welfare that we, we had to take the leap and take a risk and put out um, an ad that showed a bit more of the reality of how dogs, how many dogs are bred in Ireland. So, yeah, it's, if it catches you, if it, if it makes you think, then we've done our job. We just want people to stop and think before they get a dog. Just, just make sure you know where it's coming from. I've been saying for years, under no circumstances, let Santa bring a dog. 
It's not It's not a great idea. Um, gifting a dog, the, the thing is the person getting the dog hasn't made the choice, so they don't know the responsibility involved. And, and I do appreciate that often that's parents for a child. It needs to be the parents that want the dog. They're not doing it just for the child. The parents have to pay all the bills. The reality is they're going to do all the work as well. So it's just not a great time of year. There's so much fuss, so much excitement, different foods. We would always suggest Christmas is not a brilliant time. To, to introduce a dog to the household. However, we do realise this year might be slightly different with lockdown. However, just it's really stop and think. They're going to become a member of your family. You're going to have them probably for 13 years. Yeah. It is a big commitment. It's wonderful. It's rewarding. It's amazing. But think about it. Yeah. Puppy farms are horrible, horrible places. Really, really awful. I mean, these days we wouldn't treat a chicken that way. Um, they... They're, they're not good, and 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 people think they're illegal. Um, a puppy farm is is any uh, breeding establishment that puts profit before the welfare of the dogs. And a lot of people don't know that there are some very large scale breeding establishments in Ireland. I mean, it could be up to three hundred dogs. Um, and in in a perfect world where there were enough staff and they were kept clean and they were walked and socialised and given love and cuddles, in theory there's nothing wrong with that. However, the legislation says you only need one staff member per 25 dogs. And that's breeding dogs, so they could have five to six puppies, so one person has to take care of over 150 dogs a day. That's just not, it's just not, that's just not good welfare. I mean, in dogs, trust, we would have one staff member per seven dogs. And if it's a breeding dog, it's one per three or four. Yeah. Um, and, and even we would love to have more and our volunteers do more for us. So you just have a think about what that means for that dog. What sort of conditions is it living in? Yeah. Now, there are a new set of regulations which I, I, public, were published earlier this year to cut down... Yeah. On, on the puppy farm industry. Is it effective? Uh, I will say the piece of legislation itself is is designed extremely well. It's just not been enforced yet. And unfortunately, without enforcement, legislation doesn't really do anything. Um, so the legislation is to do with online sales because the realisation was that if most people are buying a dog online. Yeah. Not 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 great, but look, that's the reality of everyday life. Um, and there's been no traceability. So you go on and you get a phone number and you go and you arrange to buy that dog and you hand over cash. If something is wrong with the puppy, there's no traceability. Absolutely none. So the legislation that was brought in was to make sure that the ads at, at, at had certain uh, elements in it that the, you know, the, the age of the animals, they have to be at least eight weeks, eight weeks, the microchip number of that actual uh, puppy, the country of origin, um, and the registration number of the breeder. And these, mm. these allow all things to be traceable. And then the public can make a choice. Yeah. If you're okay with buying a puppy from someone who has 100, 200, 300 breeding uh, dogs, that's your choice. Um, but at the moment, you don't know who or what you're buying from. Is it true, and if it is, it must be welcome, that Dundeal have banned ads for dogs? Uh, they they just aren't selling them at the moment. I, I can't, I, I can't, I don't know their internal policy, whether they've banned or they haven't, but at the moment, they have taken down their site uh, for selling dogs. It would be a brilliant development if they had banned it, wouldn't it? That's, that's one option. I suppose when you ban something, it goes somewhere else. So it goes to other websites. So what really we're looking for is the online sellers to be compliant with the legislation. Yeah. That would actually be more... 
counterproductive, but it certainly sends a very strong message that that online seller isn't actually selling dogs online at the moment. On your website, you describe a story in launching your campaign. You describe the story of Bailey, which is quite an upsetting story. more common than people realise. They see an ad for a dog, it's described as this particular dog was described as a very young cockapoo and um, people turned up to collect it and it was a Springer Spaniel type dog that was a lot older than, than was originally advertised. He also was in terrible condition, had had lice and other various veterinary issues that had to be dealt with. He was, he was completely unsocialised and he was petrified. He could not settle in the home. So um, the owners surrendered him to Dogs Trust where we were able to give him some veterinary treatment and some socialisation treatment. And also he's going to an experienced foster um, who will help work with him on his separation anxiety issues. Okay. Finally, before we let you go, Becky, what is the advice with regard to, look, nothing, nothing makes a family home like a dog. I have two myself. I wouldn't be without a dog in the house. What, what, is, what is the advice for someone who wants to get a dog? Okay, a couple of things. Obviously, we'd say adopt, don't shop. However, that's not suitable for everyone or there may not be a suitable dog available, particularly with small kids in the house. If you really want a puppy, we'd recommend going to petbond.ie. It's a group of vets who are uh, who guarantee the welfare conditions in which the, the dog has been bred. The other thing I would say is just do your research. If someone's looking for cash, what is that about? I mean, you wouldn't, you, you would be careful what else you would pay cash on, you know, at the, the side of the road or at someone's house. Um, make sure you see the puppy with the mother. That's really, really important. Make sure it is the mother. Make sure that, that, that you can see it. The mother is still lactating. The, dog, the puppy will interact with the mother. Um, it, it's, it's really about stop and think. There's so much advice on our website, dogstrust.ie, for you to go through the steps of what you should look at before you actually get a puppy. And it's not just how you go about purchasing one. It's also what kind of dog is suitable for your home. Are you really ready for one? Do you understand the costs involved and the veterinary and the training? And the one thing I would say is all dogs need training. All of them. They don't yeah. come pre-trained. No. And they do, they do need continual training. It's a bit like teaching your kids to say please and thank you. It doesn't happen overnight. It kind of takes years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so those would be my key pieces okay. of advice. That, that, that website you gave me again? Petbond? Oh, so, so petbond.ie. Petbond.ie. Okay. As a fellow said, if you, if, you, if you must, go about it the right way. Becky, thank you exactly. very much. And good luck, with the, so good, much, luck, no, good luck with the campaign. That's Becky Bristow. Executive Director of Dogs Trust. If you must buy a dog, go through something like petbond.ie. My daughter, who is presently training as a veterinary nurse, is delighted with the whole done deal thing, um, that they're not taking ads at the moment. Whether they actually ban the ads for dogs and cats, we don't know. But yeah, uh, done deal is very... uh, There's some terrible stuff sold on Dundee. There's a great book I recommend actually. Now, I love this series of books anyway. I've recommended them before. They're the Katie Maguire series of books written by a guy called Graham Masterton. He's a man I must talk to at some stage. Uh, They're set in Cork. They're based in Cork. Uh, Gartha team led by uh, Inspector Katie Maguire. But the latest book, I read it in the summertime. It's a magnificent book. It's called Begging to Die. I think it's the second last book in the series, but it's called Begging to Die. And it centres around 
illegal puppy farms. Well, there's a number of different plots in the book, but one of them is around an illegal puppy farm and the description of what goes on at an illegal puppy farm. And uh, it's it's worth a read, as are any of his books. 1850 Let me go to Mick Barry. Last week on the programme, we were discussing the uh, TUI talking about extending school holidays or whether they thought the school holidays in the, in the Christmas time should be extended. Mick, you went on then and did a survey, did you? Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Yeah, we did an Instagram poll over the weekend uh, aimed at school students, especially Leaving Cert students, and um, trying to gauge attitudes on issues relating to uh, mental health uh, and exams. And the results that came back to us were fairly strong and clear-cut. Um, I think the mental health pressures on young people are building uh, and they need to be cut some kind of a break. Now, the TUI, when I had Michael Gillespie on from the TUI last week, I, I asked him their stance on it. Let's get it straight here now, Michael Gillespie. Do the TUI want the schools to close early for Christmas? What we said was, we said that this merited consideration. It, it was in response to, we'll say, there had been a, a call from a, 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 a party in the Dáil who said that it was worth considering, that it, there was a petition, and we had been asked questions about it, and we said it merited consideration for a lot of reasons. Obviously, if you close on the Friday as opposed to the Tuesday, you're gaining four days. You know, if, if, if you're so minded to isolate, 14 days later is New Year's Day and maybe you could do something with your family, you know, because the medical advice is you must isolate for 14 days. We also said that the Monday and the Tuesday were not high educational days. They were days that traditionally you had the school play, the talent competition. We were all in school and we looked forward to that last day. Unfortunately, that last day is not going to be that experience for most schools now because of COVID. So we were saying it, it merited consideration. We, did, we weren't demanding or looking for it, 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 it gained legs. Um, and, and we still think it, it, look, it merited consideration. Uh, but either way, our members are willing to, will be working right up to the last day. It's unlikely to happen, isn't it, Mick? Well, we'll see. Um, I mean, the Minister can come under pressure uh, on this issue. She was uh, very quick to rule out the suggestion that the TUI had put forward. Um, I think the speed of her response was an indication that um, she's not listening um, to teachers, but she's not listening to school students. Um, and I have a, a nephew who's always telling me that I, I, I have to read the room. <laughs> well, I think, I think the minister has to read the room here because I think there is a, a strong and growing feeling among school students that mm. uh, the pressures this year uh, have been really intense. Um, yes. 97% of people in our poll said that Leaving Cert students this year uh, were under at least as much pressure, if not more pressure, yeah. than the Leaving Cert students Because when we year. discussed it last week, uh, th- there wasn't a whole lot of interest in this from parents. In fact, the, the, the main interest from parents was, hang on a second now, what am I going to do for childcare for those couple of days? Yeah, and I understand that point, and it is an important point that has to be weighed in it. Um, but I think that there are uh, mental health issues here uh, as regards young students and particularly as regards uh, Leaving Cert uh, uh, students. Um, I mean, they've been, under, they've been under the cosh, as we all have, 
Um, but these are young people. Um, uh, and I think the idea of... I think the TUI uh, idea is based mainly around the idea of um, COVID and allowing people uh, an extra couple of days so as they can go and visit relatives over yes. the, the New Year period. Um, I think part of the debate, and maybe that's what I'm trying to do here this morning, uh, is to d- introduce a new element into this debate, uh, which is the question of uh, of mental health, right? Um, 84% of students in that poll said that they would support the suggestion being implemented. And I think the main reason why they were embracing that seemed to be around the issues of mental health. So that isn't being discussed enough, and I, I, I'm arguing that we need to make that part okay. of, the, of the discussion here. And the minister needs to listen to okay. what young people are saying. Okay. We'll see where it goes over the next couple of weeks. Mick, thank you very much. That's Mick Barry, Solidarity TD for Cork North Central. A lot of people that I was talking to and hearing from, both social media and whatever, is that there, a lot of them are going to take the youngsters out anyway on the Friday and not send them in for the Monday and, and the Tuesday. Whether the schools would actually close on the Friday... Don't, I don't see it happening. Norma Foley is one of these people who's not for turning when she makes her mind up. If you've noticed nothing about her since she got the gig in the summertime, when she makes her mind up, she's not a woman for turning. And I can't see her turning on this either. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. On the parking ticket story, I parked at the back of College of Com. I forgot to pay over the phone. After 15 minutes of being going to get my laptop to work from home, there was a ticket on my car. I moved to my fiancé's mother's house during COVID to work from home. I never got the letters until the registered post for court came in. I explained my situation in court and the judge ruled a strike out due to the circumstances and thanked me for attending court. A few others argued and got it struck out. Tell Lynette, wait for court if she thinks she has a good case. Thank you for that. 185715996. We're presently putting together some shows for between Christmas and New Year. Uh, five mornings of that week, we'll have an hour-long opinion line rewind, looking back at some of the stuff that was really successful for us during 2020. And if there's anything in particular that you would like us to play again, any item, any feature, any interview, any special guest, any particular call that you enjoyed for any given reason, then do let us know what it was and we'll find it and we'll try to include it in one of those shows. So you can email opinion at 96fm.ie opinion at 96fm.ie and get them into us by the 1st of December because that's when we sit down to start the bit of work. I'm too lazy to do these things on my own so we need your help. Let me know what it was that uh, floated your boat on the opinion line over the last few months. Opinion at 96fm. If you've been listening, you'll notice coming The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids The place to order your 211 Toyota See lehanmotors.ie And go Text 
text or WhatsApp now on 083-396-9696. For your chance to play our 10K toy giveaway. Corks 96 FM. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Corks 96 FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. This week on the Big Drive Home, the incredible 10K toy giveaway continues. Sarah, you've won a 500 euro toy Yay! shopping spree. Lorraine, thank you so much, and we love your station. We'll get you the latest on Cork traffic, the biggest showbiz stories, and the best music mix. Join me every weekday from four. The big drive home with Ford Lease takes the hassle out of vehicle leasing. If you're a business, it's easy to budget with no unforeseen costs. Cork's ninety-six FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833969696 on Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, we did it. Cork's 96 FM's 10K Toy Giveaway. With Johnson and Parrot, Douglas Bishopstown and Mountain Point. Put 2020 behind you and drive into 2021. Always open at jpmg.ie. To East Cork we're headed. We had a winner yesterday from the opinion line. Another one, we're doing well, we've got three now. Laura won. She qualified on the show yesterday and she won last evening with Lorraine on the big drive home. Let's see if we can make the same happen for Anthony Donnelly. Anthony, good morning to you. Hi, PJ Horting. Good. Now, you'd really love to win this for your little one, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, I would. Definitely. She'd, uh, she'd love it. Because you spend a lot of time away, don't you? I do, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let me see what we can do. All I can guarantee is to... If you get this right, we'll put you in the draw. But we've had good luck on the opinion line with that okay. evening draw, all right? So, yeah, here's the question for you. What date is Women's Little Christmas? Is it January 6th or February 6th? January 6th. January 6th it is, sir. Hey. Thanks very Nice much. one. Nice one. So, you're through to the draw this evening, okay? Uh, excellent. Thank you, Peter. All right. That happens after 6 with Perfect. with Lorraine, I I know you're probably sick to the back teeth of this, but I couldn't resist it. <laughs> Listen, good luck, mate, and thank you for your Thanks. service. All right. Thanks, PJ. Bye Cheers, bye. fella. Take care. Bye bye. Still taking a few of your entries for our Sanitize Ireland competition. We want your headlines. We gave you the story from the Sun, which reveals today breaks the news, although we all knew that the celebrity challenges on I'm a Celeb, get me out of here they all get a run through during the day and because it's based in a castle in Wales the Sun has coined the headline Con of the Castle I want you to beat that for me for Sanitise Ireland today protecting yourself, your business or your home from COVID-19 more information, sanitiseireland.ie. Check out their website. Nice prize for you today. Beat that headline at 083 396 9696. All right. Good. Now, uh, where, oh yes, Fiona, you've heard it in the news this morning. Fiona Corcoran has been visiting new businesses in Cork that were set up in the context of COVID 19, set up because the owners 
The operators of the businesses found themselves with no option but to do something different uh, during COVID-19. And here is what she found when she went checking it out. Baby, there's nothing holding me back. They all started very quickly and, you know, got a few months into that and, you know, going crazy, pulling my hair out, wondering what I should do. And I suppose I started to think about what my passions were and what my motivators are in life. And um, I suppose, you know, when I was put into that situation, it, it made me look kind of fairly deep inside and find out what exactly I wanted to do. Like thousands of people across the country, COVID-19 left aircraft maintenance engineer Colin Braham out of a job. Facing an uncertain future, Colin decided to open a bike repair shop. Go Bike opens in Maham Point next week. The first stage is to um, get the workshop going and carry out the repairs to all sorts of bikes. And then the next stage of the business is to bring in the bicycles and start the sales and support the sales with my repair shop. Is he nervous about opening a business at this time? Yeah, d- I mean, definitely the, there is uncertainty and um, it, it plays on your mind. But I'd also say that it's, it's something that gets you to think outside the box. You know, you're not going back to your other career quickly, so you have to reinvent yourself, really. And um, I've had a lot of support from people, my family, my friends. Man Point were very supportive of this idea as well. The pandemic also left musician Jamie Hennebury with a lot more time in his hands. With no performance opportunities, the keen drummer saw this as his chance to start something he always wanted to do. As a family, we always said we'd love to do something and we have a bit of a passion for food and I got the short straw to uh, to come and run the shop which I duly obliged and, and to be honest with you it has been challenging. It was a couple of months before we could kick started off uh, but since since we did start it's been very very positive. Jamie along with his family now run Toppers in Turner's Cross. It's a traditional chip shop but we've gone for chips with toppings with um, say um, different aspects of food like pork uh, that you might possibly not get inside the, your traditional chipper. Yeah. So, and we mix it in with different homemade sauces, and we mix stuff, and we put them on the grill, and we try and put it out as fresh as, fresh as we can to the customer. He says people who want to start a business should follow their heart. If you commit to something in your head, and especially with our, us as a family, we, we said, right, this is what we're going to do. And, and sometimes if you look at obstacles, you, there might be a fear factor. So I, I, I think if, if someone is going to start a business, go with your heart, go with your gut. It's just be positive about it and see how successful you can be. Colin and Jamie have the support of their family, but Enterprise Ireland is reminding people that they are there to help, as CEO Julie Cinnamon explains. What we always find is in times of economic downturn, there are a lot of people who then decide, well, this is it. I really want to take control of my own destiny and start up my own company. And there's never been more supports available than there are at present. So I'd say go for it. Go to either your local enterprise office or Enterprise Ireland or whoever and avail of the support even to help you tease out your idea and and it's a really good time to start a company. Good luck to Colin and Jamie.
in their new business exploits. And there's a lot of that about. A lot of resilience. A lot of people who lost their jobs in the first half of the year. A lot of musicians that I know personally lost their jobs in the first half of the year. Some of them have fallen back on the trades they had before. Some of them are doing something else while they're waiting for the music industry to get back up and running. And it will. We know it will in 2021 once we get this vaccine into us. We can start having great nights like we used to have before and great shows and great sessions. But for now, a lot of musicians in particular and entertainers gone into another line of work. And best of luck to Colin and Jamie. And Jamie, indeed, one of those musicians uh, has gone into another line of work. Toppers. Jesus, I I, 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 my cholesterol was thickening at the thought of it. But sure, listen, it's great. 1850 715 There's plenty of nice stuff out there in among all the negativity. And it's not really negativity either. This is the real world in which we now live. Yet sometimes you get asked, would you ever talk about something happy? Tis all negativity. Well, unfortunately, we live in a fairly negative world at the moment. We talk about fabulous stories like the vaccine and the two lads getting their businesses up and running and we're very happy for them. And we have a lovely positive story here as well coming from Blarney Street. Uh, from the boys of Blarney Street School. Uh, Eddie Kelleher is there. Eddie, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How first, are you? First class teacher at Blarney right, Street yeah. CBS. Now, That's tell right. me what's happened. Well, um, well, my colleague, Mr. Russell, had uh, a great idea. We heard about the... Um, that it was free to write letters to the nursing homes uh, at the moment. So what we did was we, uh, myself and Mr. Cahill and Mr. Hannan and Mrs. Green, we decided to write letters to the nursing home on Blair's Hill. Um, So we did a a writing exercise and we wrote out our letters and I have one here actually in front of me. Ollie would be delighted I'm reading out his one now. My name is Ollie. I am six years old. I am a pupil in Bernie Street School. Uh, we hope you stay safe in the lockdown. Uh, lots of love. Kiss, hug, kiss from Ollie. So nice? it is it was really nice. And we sent off the letters, kind of not, not thinking any more of it. Um, and then we were pleasantly surprised then, about a couple of weeks later, that the boys got letters back from Blair's Hill. Um, which was fantastic. The boys really weren't expecting them. And I have to really thank whoever it was in Blair's Hill, because they're all in the same handwriting, so they obviously, um, the, the, the residents in the nursing home must have uh, called out their letters and one person must have written them down and they're covered in stickers and everything for the children. So Brilliant. Wh- wh- whoever that was in Blair's How Hill. How many letters did saying, you get back? Um, I think we got about 11 letters back and oh. they were kind of, some of them were double addressed to the boys, so they all got some letter to read anyway. That's lovely. Uh, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's, it, it really is a case of we, we, we instill these values in our young people as young as we can, and one of them is kindness. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, th- they were kind of blown away, especially like one letter here is, uh, the letter back to Ollie was, Dear Ollie, how are you? My name is Brida. I'm 92. And you should have seen their faces when they heard the ages of some of the people that were writing back to them. Um, like, I love music. My favourite song is Rose of Tree. Thank you for your lovely, kind letter and your drawing. Happy Halloween. So uh, it was wonderful. The boys were just overjoyed to get something back. That's lovely. So you're going to do another another round of writing at Christmas time? Oh, definitely. Yeah. We'll send another letter in. And they, they kind of have each other's names now. So it'll be nice for them to recognise the letters that they're getting, you know. 
definitely. Would any of them have, have grannies and granddads who'd be in the nursing home that they'd identify um, I with checked, I checked with them and I think a lot of it kind of stemmed from we were talking about missing grannies and granddads at the moment. You know, a lot of it is they might not see them infrequently or kind of outdoors and things. Mm. So they really, they did empathise with how um, the people in the nursing home were feeling and that they were very lonely. Yeah. So uh, we we did kind of see it that way, all right, yeah. Yeah, because I was, I was talking to um, the young lad, Kean from the Super Value ad a couple of oh, weeks yes, ago, yeah. and, and he said, like, all, at this stage, almost seeing his granddad for real Christmas Day is almost as important, if not more important, as Santa. Yeah, it really is. And even talking to the boys, like... You can really see how they're they're missing their grandparents at the moment. Um, it's a it's a big thing for them, right? Definitely. So I think writing letters like this is something they, like I said, they can empathise with. Yeah. Something else I noticed: some of the letters that you got back, the first were they the first personal letters some of the boys had ever received? Yeah, I think for most of them it was the first letter that they had ever written or ever received that was kind of addressed to them. Um, which I suppose when you guess when you think about it, letter so writing is so kind of a dead end. A couple of years now, lads, the bills will start, and you'll know all about it. Yeah, when you see them coming with windows on them, but I see know all about it. <laughs> yeah, but to, the, the, I suppose when we were growing up, everything was 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 letter. But now that was it. Yeah, you had a pen pal or or yeah. that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. So it's nice to still be doing it. Yeah. Now you, as a school up there, you, you do a lot of stuff at Christmas every year. You'll be a bit curtailed this year, I think. We will, yeah. Now, penny dinners was a big thing that we always, we, we, did, we took down bags and bags of stuff to the penny dinners, but we won't be doing that year. But um, Mr. Russell, again, has organised that each class um, we'll go down, they'll have a kind of a cinema experience in our hall and we'll do a bit of a fundraiser for that. So we're kind of doing what we can, you know, because um, I know definitely penny dinners still need that support. Yeah. How has it been for them since they came back in September? You know, not easy, to be honest. Um, like, we were doing our best with trying to focus on well-being in the class. Uh, they're definitely getting outside a lot more. And we're kind of lucky that we have the we have an outdoor gym area and we have two soft play areas. Yeah. So even despite the weather, I mean, oftentimes now teachers are looking out to, to see when when's the next break in the weather so we can bring them out. Yeah. So between well-being and talking about emotions and making sure they're getting plenty of exercise, yeah. that's that's our focus for them, you know. Isn't it? Is it important, Eddie, for us as as adults to to step back every so often and and try to see it through their eyes? How hard twenty twenty has been for them? Oh yeah, I mean they've missed out on so much, and like any teacher would tell you, you'd rather be in the classroom with the kids because you can see them being with their peers is a huge thing like that, that, that they get to be with their friends and talk to their friends um, like you, everyone remembers lockdown in March when kids were at home at the dinner table trying to do their work Yeah, it's so hard for them and we do have to recognise that 100% Yeah, they've missed out on birthdays and graduations and communions and confirmations and all those things are of, of key importance Oh rites of passage like that we all remember for our whole lives like this, yeah. is, this has affected them so yeah, yeah it's important definitely important for us not to forget that. Listen, c- c- congratulations on the idea and uh, here's hoping that the Christmas letters will go down just as well. Thanks, Eddie. That's Eddie Kelleher, a first-class teacher at Blarney Street CBS in Gronabraugh. They've written and will write more letters to the residents in Blair's Nursing Home in Sunday as well. Lovely gesture. They're not the only place doing it, but a lovely gesture to see it being done.
Uh, most secondary schools, most secondary schools will be finished anyway by the Friday with Christmas exams. This is in reference to McMarry a while ago. My son got his timetable already. My daughter's school said most exams will be finished by then. So schools are deciding this for themselves as far as I can see. That's from Rachel. Hi, listening to the discussion about school closing earlier. I'm a practice nurse. I was talking to a Leaving Cert student last week in my work setting. She was so stressed, but it was due to the constant talk about will school close, whether it's extending midterm or Christmas holidays. She said she found distance learning very stressful and loved being back at school and having a bit of normality. So sometimes it's not always a good idea to close schools. Just there on the writing of letters. I think it would be great, says this call, if we got back to the pen pal craze and the excitement of waiting for a letter in these times of technology. I wrote for 41 years to a pen pal I found in the Evening Echo. That's from Callie. And you know that wonderful television show I was telling you about last week, The Queen's Gambit? It's, there's a, a pen pal line in that story. And following it on social media and how amazed people were with the quality of the show, it's phenomenal. The, the pen pal plot, some younger listener or younger viewers to Netflix were fascinated with the show and fascinated with the story, but had no idea what a pen pal was, which is incredible. Right, we asked you to beat the sun on this one with a headline better on this story, better than Con of the Castle, on this story that I'm a celeb contestants actually get a run through. Now, it's been put down to health and safety, but sure, it's a cheat. It's a cheat, isn't it? If they know where the creepy qualities are coming from, sure, what's the point of, of it at all? Uh, I'm a celebrity, bring me back here again, says Lorraine. I'm a celebrity, get me out again, says Linda. Uh, Porky's at the Porticullis. Oh, very good, says Mary O'Brien. Celebrity cheat, don't ever let me out, says Maureen. A whales of a story. Oh, that's a very good... The Grinch... What the hell? Fake run to fake tan in the castle. And King Khan says Alan. But the best one, the one that came in that uh, caught our eye, was Trial and Terror. Trial and Terror. And that was from Graham Masterton. Not the Graham Masterton who's written all the Katie Maguire books as I mentioned earlier on. I hasten to add. But another Graham Masterton. He's our winner today with Sanitize Ireland Natural Solutions. And we'll do it again tomorrow. Uh, between uh, 9 and 12, get you a story from the newspapers and we want you to write up a better headline. Trial and Terror. Graham, your new job as a copywriter with the sun starts uh, straight away. You've won an electrostatic fogger and five litres of natural solution. And that's it. The programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. And we'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.